Live and in color from the NBC News Radio Broadcasting Studios of KCAA, 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM, located in beautiful Southern California and in parallel from the Turfs Up Radio Studio in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Thanks for tuning in to the Water Zone Show this evening. And a pleasant afternoon and evening to everybody. Welcome to the Water Zone. Hope everybody's having a great day. I'm your host, Rob Starr, and usually... Mr. Chris Davey is usually on the phone, but he's taking care of some personal business, and uh, it will be determined in a few minutes if he's returning uh, to the show, uh, meaning today's show. He's not leaving the show formally. Uh, he just has a, a thing he's checking on. And uh, But it's going to be a great show. We have uh, two, two good guests, as always. Uh, first one everybody knows, and I'll introduce her and bring her on right now, because she is the most wonderful lady in water news that I've ever known in my life. She's the purveyor of Maven's Notebook, and it's a famous thing. Miss um, Chris Austin, how are you today? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you doing? We're doing good. How's the temperature out there in uh, Central California? Oh, actually, I'm Northern California. Northern. Well, see, I told you that last time. Everything, I, I, everything to me, I always say Northern, and then you told me where we were talking about was Central, but it's, Central is North where I where I used to live, so well, well, yeah, and there are people here in California that would tell you Southern California begins right below Shasta Dam, so yeah. you know, <laughs> there you go. Uh, but uh, no, I'm up here in Chico, a little north of Sacramento. Yesterday yep. was hot; it was over 100 degrees, first triple digits of the year. Um, yep. Today it's been overcast and a little bit cooler. Thankful for that. The fair's in town this weekend, so, uh, you know, a little bit cooler weekend for the fair, so that's good. So. Uh, we uh, we had the hottest day yesterday, first triple digit, uh, and it was 105. It's 106 now out here in the uh, Phoenix area. So uh, it's a beautiful, nice, hot day. Uh, I see the wind starting to pick up, as it usually does, around uh, 4 o'clock, and that's nice. We always get a breeze off the mountains at 4, so it's just a just a wonderful thing. Hey, you know, in reading your uh, Maven's notebook every single day, and I got to tell our listening audience, you got to go, you got to go read this and get a subscription and become a subscriber. It's the most incredible source of California water news anywhere. It's, it's, she, I have to give kudos to Chris on how she knows everybody, how she goes to all these things, and, and just brings us all up to date. But you know, the biggest thing that's going on in California, it's all about the drought the drought, the drought. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, Dry topic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I see there's a state program to retire farmland, which and they're getting some extra money on that. I think another $60 million to add on. I think they had 50 last year. Uh, but it's, it, it's, it's looking to terminate or like 1 million acres. Well, uh, this is, uh, you know, with the implementation of the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act, uh, we're looking at, I, I believe, you know, in the San Joaquin Valley alone, uh, 20% of the, um, about 20% of the farmland is is going to have to be fallowed in order to bring these groundwater basins into balance. That is a substantial amount, um, and it's going to have economic impacts. Uh, so the state has put together a program that they're running through the Department of Conservation um, to help people transition this farmland into something else, whatever that something else is. And this is an interesting program. It doesn't 
directly fund, you know, like say a farmer says, I want to fallow this land and I want to put solar panels on it. So they, they don't say, okay, great, here you go. What, what, they're, what they do is they, they're funding plans to figure out what you're going to do with the land that you have to fallow. What, what really needs to happen is if you're taking out 20% of the land, you know, like one in five acres is going to now be fallow, um, you, you need that to happen in some kind of coordinated way. You need to look at what land is the least productive and, and then, you know, try and group the land that's going to get fallowed together because, you know, together, if like say if you're going to use habitat restoration, you know, connectivity and habitat, uh, uh, one large piece of habitat is much better than postage stamp pieces of habitat sprinkled across the landscape. I mean, you know, the critters can't really utilize that. So by sort of coordinating where you might do habitat restoration, you can create really effective habitat restoration that has connectivity and the things that you need in, in you know, habitat. We don't need postage stamp restoration projects sprinkled throughout the valley, um, you know, or solar panels or, you know, whatever you're going to do. There's, you know, people might turn it into a park, perhaps, uh, you know, who knows what they're going to do. But the so the funding is to uh, to give people some funding and an incentive to come together and figure out a plan for what you're going to do with that land and what where you you know what's going to get fallowed and what's going to happen to that land. They opened up a round of funding that just closed and they just awarded the funding and I think that was 50 million dollars and now they're putting some more uh, funding into the plan to continue to uh, you know to push the the program forward. I mean, we're just getting started on this uh, implementation of the Groundwater Management Act. Uh, the next step, all, all the groundwater basins uh, have submitted their plans to the Department of Water Resources. And now the next step is for all those GSAs that had all these plans to make their groundwater basins in balance by recharging them with water uh, has to uh, come to the reality that all the water that's planned for recharge in all the plans in the San Joaquin Valley, there's very, very little of. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, the people did the, the first cut at their plans is what you might expect. You know, they're trying to minimize uh, their, you know, how much impact it has. So they're planning for recharge water, but, you know, we're in a drought. And even when we're not in a drought, there isn't a tremendous amount of uh, water sloshing around in the system, except in the very wettest of years, sure. But if we're having an average or an above average year of precipitation, there's not tons of extra water, uh, you know, just sloshing around going to waste. So, you know, it's time for the reality part to set in for, you know, how much of this recharge water, they're going to be able to, to get their, you know, hands on, so to speak. Uh, so it's, you know, we're, we're kind of buckling into the hard time of groundwater management implementation here in the San Joaquin Valley and in California. Um, it's 
going to be tough. As a matter of fact, a couple stories down from that, I believe, is the California Farm Water Coalition, you know, sort of saying, hey, you know, this this drought in California is going to affect, uh, you know, grocery prices and our domestic food supply. And, you know, kind of no way it, it can't. Uh, but that's, well, couple that, couple that with the the, the the diesel prices for the the farmers and the truckers who have to take the product to, to processing or to the market. Um, they're also talking about the grid. I, we got the same issue here in Arizona, where the, they're all worried about the grid. They're going to start cutting power. Um, you know, that's a scary thought. Uh, they cut the well. Food, yeah, I mean, the yeah, the, the the farmers are going to lose jobs. And, and taking them almost a million acres out, uh, yeah, it, everything's going to go through the roof. Right now, it's hit um, uh, $5.20 for gas here in Arizona. Yeah, we're up and, over five fifty, I think, five sixty up here. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, and, and actually, let's go back to that hydropower for a moment because, I mean, this is actually really critical. Uh a lot of water moving through the system, you know, most generate power when they release water. And so if there's not any water to be released from the dam, there's no power that can be generated. And that type of power is not easily made up. I mean, if you know anything about electrical power production, uh, you know, the gas turbines, uh, power plants, you know they you just can't turn them off or turn them on and turn them off there you know they're they have to ramp up they have to ramp down it's a very tedious process uh the way that we get energy electrical energy when we need more is a uh, hydropower because you know you release the water out of the dam it goes through the penstocks and through the power plant and instantly you've got electricity so yeah. when there's a need, you know, when all those people in the Southwest turn on their uh, air conditioners, uh, they're flipping the switches at the dams to create the hydropower to to manage that. Hydropower plays a very important part uh, on our power grid because it's one of the, you know, the few types, I, I, I would say only type possibly, that you can switch on and switch off in an instant. Um, right. You know, can't do it with gas with the turbines at, you know, coal or gas plants. And we all know, you know, solar power works great when there's sun, but when there's no sun, there's no power. And yeah. and that was another problem. That's another problem on the grid. That's the next thing we need to, to solve with the solar panels. Everybody has solar panels on their roofs, and that's great. Um, but then when that sun goes down, everybody switches back onto the grid, and that is can be a tremendous amount of load onto the grid uh, well, and that cause can cause blackouts apparently it did that last summer in well, southern if, california if, if people don't buy the uh, the battery backup storage units uh which aren't aren't cheap uh but yeah it's going to be horrendous summer from what from what everybody's forecasting with with this you know i was also uh reading about this obscure Water contract that's uh, oh gosh California. yeah oh that's hard <laughs> yeah there's the south side of the Central Valley and and they're gonna get cut back and then can you tell us a little about that yeah I, I'm I'm not gonna go into the details because we we'd, we'd have to take up a whole uh, a whole show <laughs> just to explain what's going on 
but let's just say that California's water rights system is a mishmash and uh, people are not treated equally. And uh, there are, uh, you know, well, the, the reigning rule of water rights in the West is first in time, first in right. So the first person that started taking that water gets the uh, gets the water first. And I mean, it's very I think it's a very antiqui antiquated water policy. I don't think it's going to work in the in our this new climate that we seem to be moving into because. The way it works is the senior diverters get all of the water that they are, you know, that they have the water right for before the junior water right holders, anyone who came up less, uh, gets their water. And, you know, the most, uh, the biggest example of a problem coming that I can tell you is the, uh, the Imperial Irrigation District in the Imperial Valley, California, uh, began growing cantaloupe there in the uh, like right before the turn of the 1900s, you know, about 1895, 1896, and they were bringing in Colorado River water. Uh, they are not exactly the first. There were two much smaller irrigation districts that are ahead of them on the Colorado River, but they're number three, and their amount is. Huge. And their amount is equal to one fifth the flow, the average flow of the Colorado River. That's the average flow before it became reduced by climate change. Uh, so what that means is that theoretically, if the Colorado River flow was to dwindle and dwindle and dwindle, that um, everyone would have to let the water flow down to, so that the Imperial Valley gets all of its water first. That would be over Arizona, over states, over Las Vegas, um, and and I just don't think that's going to fly if it if it ever gets to that uh, that situation. And the situation on the Colorado River is not good, and it's not out of the realm of possibility that we may soon be confronting that issue. Well. Um, so what we have going on here in the San Joaquin Valley, to turn it back to that story, is we have some very old, uh, you know, water right holders. Uh, but I think uh, in Los Banos area, that it's back to the 1850s, 1860s. Um, so they're getting their water first, while this other first, this other guy is not going to not going to get it. And and there's a lot to that story uh, that, like I say, is much too hard to explain in in just our short time together. No, no, we we certainly get it. You know, with the enhanced water restrictions that they're talking about, uh, and, and for water, you know, for water suppliers to activate this drought, their drought plans and prepare for a twenty percent shortage this summer. That's really, really, really scary, scary to me. And oh, yeah. that that and the grid. I mean, and, and with the price of, again, price of gas inflation, uh, shortage of food. It's not going to be a pleasant, I, I, I think this will go on more than the summer. Wait past uh, oh, yeah, no, definitely. It's, it's not good. And, you know, I mean, just having a, you know, shortage of 20%, you know, that's actually, I mean, there are a few areas in Southern California that would probably love to only have a 20% shortage. 
I'm talking about uh, Las Virginas Municipal Water District, the uh, area that is uh, not they only can get water from that comes in from the north on metropolitan system, and that's where this only health and safety needs. All you know is, is all the water that's coming down that pipe. So they have like <laughs> they really need to cut back because they're really not going to have any water. Uh, I mean, it's it's really very serious uh, because uh, the water pipes don't head over there too much so we're you know it's going to be tough for them as a matter of fact the the water district has said if people don't cut back they're going to put put flow restrictors mm. on on their you know uh going into their house so you know, and they're talking is, about fines from a hundred dollars to ten thousand dollars a day yeah yeah and now now that that's if you know those uh those are authorized the water districts are the ones that would have to implement that. So that's not the state water board is not right, going right. to come into yet. But the water district is, is allowed to do that if they have to. And no one wants to. Um, you know, the big concern is that, uh, especially, you know, in wealthier areas, people seem to have this attitude that, well, they don't care if it costs more. They'll use it. They'll just pay more. Okay, so, you know, it's kind of like hamburger. It's awfully expensive. A lot of people say, well, I'll just pay more for it, you know. Um, but it's not, uh, you know, the the market can't run this. You know, the people with the money to use the water can't use all the water because, you know, other people need that water to live. And, you know, if you run this water dry, uh, it's, you know, it's going to be really, really problematic. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a hard summer. It's going to be a hard summer and it's going to be hard for people. I mean, I, I do feel for these people, you spend a lot of time and money, you know, on your landscaping and, and putting in these plants and, you know, to have to watch it die is must be extremely difficult. I mean, I, that's not something, I don't laugh at that. That's, you know, nope. that's, that's hard. Um, but the alternative is we're really bumping up to a, a big restraint here, big constraint. And we're not used to, I don't think in, in this country, we're really used to this idea of constraints. You know, what, what do you mean there's no more water? You know, it's sort of, it's kind of like electricity. You know, what do you mean you're shutting down the grid because we're all using too much electricity? Yeah. Every, well, everybody's used to turning the faucet on, water comes out. Everybody's used to doing your laundry whenever you want, any time of day. Now, and there's restrictions here of, of they they charge more to between the hours of 9 to 8 o'clock at night if you do your laundry. Uh, the, the use of electricity. Uh, yeah, uh, oh, yeah. And, and, and it's getting it's getting that way all across the Southwest and even on the, on the East Coast, South, you know, the Florida area and things of that sort. One of, one of the things I thought was kind of ironic and funny uh, to a point where the L.A. Times, I guess, asked their readers for tips on how they can serve water. <laughs> and, 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 and a lot of them sent in stuff that the basic water agencies promote and tell you what to do. You know, uh, you know, don't run your dishwasher when it's not full and the same with the laundry. But they, they had some sort of crazy ideas. One was that from years ago. Uh, flush less. 
<laughs> and uh, I, I remember Mike Barron, uh, when he was doing, he was the host of the show with me. Uh, we went to a trade show and, and some company had a bottle of spray stuff that would, after you used your toilet, whatever you were doing, you, you give a couple sprays and then you put the lid down and you don't flush. And you right. can do that all day long. And I go, Mike, I don't care what anybody says. I'm not going to do that and save up a whole day's worth of unflushing to flush. <laughs> you know, uh, then somebody says, take, take, take less showers or, or baths. Uh, and one person said, well, you know, uh, you know, once a week is good. And then another person came in about uh, wearing, wearing clothes a lot of the same clothes all the time. So you you don't have to wash it, you know, you don't wear it once or twice and then wash it. Uh, they said wear it for, you know, five to five to eight days and then do that. But I, I, don't, I don't know about some of those things, you know, uh, they, they, they sound uh, you know, one, one guy was clever. One lady had said, uh, use less water, uh, drink more Chardonnay. I thought that was a good <laughs> suggestion. I thought that was a great suggestion. But, you know, all of, I, I really believe from the last drought that California had and, 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 and probably from Arizona and all through the southwest Texas and so forth, that the water agencies really did a great job in, 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 in educating the public about how they could help save water with all the different programs they have. Uh, and, and even for commercial, our next guest will talk a lot more about that. That's his specialty. But 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 there's some crazy ideas. I mean, obviously, if you don't use water at all, that's a great thing. But we all need water to live and, and to, to for food and to then if we stop all yeah. of this stuff. It's gonna be it's gonna be a real crazy world going well, forward. Well, yeah, but I'll I'll, I'll tell you this. Um, any any woman who's had a baby who's been home with a newborn baby has learned that you really don't need to shower as much as you might think because <laughs> you well, don't no, I, get yeah, the I can, opportunity. I can know? understand that if you're staying at home and you're, you know, you're, you're just taking care of a baby, you're not, you're, you're not getting all, pers- you know, uh, per- perspiration and all that other stuff. Oh, I can, no, you're, I can you're perspirating, so you're tired, you just can't, yeah. you just can't ever take a goddamn shower. Yeah. <laughs> you, just, yeah. you just don't get that opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> Well, do, do they do they keep many of their friends with that situation, or <laughs> you know, like I say, you you'd be surprised. Uh, well, you, you know, you learn you learn how what what you can do without a lot when when you have a newborn. Uh, you're like asleep, or you know. well, I know you get deprived from sleep. But you know. yeah, you know, and and I think there's a lot of things that you know, like to be honest, you know, I think it. If if you, you pee that and you don't flush the toilet, I I don't think that's a terrible thing. You know, certainly other thing you don't want to confront there, but you know, uh, you no, know, you right. can do that. But right. look, one thing before we get off the phone, uh, before I get off it, we want to make sure to say though, in yeah. Southern California, in in really any place where you're having water restrictions on outdoor water use, water your trees. Let yes. your lawn go, but you guys got to water those trees. Um, they, they're not going to survive the, the summer without any water. And, uh, boy, to lose a mature tree, it's decades before you can get it back. Uh, Absolutely. Well, going back to the flush less, those remind me of when you go to a fair, like the state fairs or anything else, and they have porta potties. <laughs> and, 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 and I can tell you here on a day like today at 105, 106 degrees, you don't want to go inside a porta potty where they don't flush. 
and <laughs> can't flush. Okay. Uh, no, unless, no, no, unless, no. unless you unless you have a really bad cold and you can't smell anything, that's you know maybe maybe so. But that's that's what I think about when they tell you not to flush. So. Anyway, yeah, well, I I learned the hard way when you go camping, you don't want to to go camping at a place where the restrooms have smokestacks. Yeah. <laughs> well, Chris, thank you very much for coming on, like you always do, and giving us the latest and greatest in, in water news. And for our listeners, uh, please go to www.mavensnotebook.com. Check it out. Become a subscriber. Become a a uh, sponsor. It, it's a great way to get your updated California water news every single day at your at your computer, your cell phone, whatever. Uh, we get our Chris and I get our our news. Chris Davy and I get our news from from that every morning. We do appreciate that. And uh, so, Chris, thanks. We're going to go take our commercial break in a second. I'm hoping to hear from uh, uh, Chris Davies and see how he's, uh, his outcome is coming with uh, his uh, issue that he's dealing with. And uh, we'll be back in a few minutes with our featured guest. So, Chris, thank you. We will talk to you next week. All right. Good evening, everyone. Okay. Good night. All right. We'll be back in just a moment. Uh, we'll hear a couple words from our sponsors, and uh, we'll be back with our featured guest. KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM. Satisfying your customers, it's a full-time job. Want an easy way to make them happy? Try having your ornamentals delivered straight to the job site with Nursery Direct. Could save you and your clients a pretty peony. Think about it, instead of driving to the nearest nursery, picking up the order, and then driving to the job site, the crew's able to begin work right away. That cuts time and labor. Savings you can pass on to your customers, and you can get your plants delivered direct, even if you don't have a nursery branch in your area. Here's another quick tip. Keep a substitutions list on standby for every project so your team knows what to do in case a plant isn't in stock because there's nothing customers appreciate more than a project that finishes on time and on budget. They love you. They really love you. Aww. If you knew there was a pipe cement that works better than the one you're currently using, is better for you and the environment, and costs the same or less, would you buy it? Well, no-brainer, right? Weldon, the trusted leader in solvent cements for over 60 years, is pleased to introduce a new line of solvent cements that does all that. Introducing the Eco-Series line of solvent cements for PVC piping systems. Not only does it work great and set fast, it also has 30% lower solvent emissions and less smelly fumes. A better workplace environment when you're installing pipes. But don't just take our word for it. Eco-Series products are the only solvent cements that are Green Seal certified for environmental innovation for effective performance, improved working conditions, and for use with potable water. Now available in a medium-bodied fast-setting blue formula, 905 Eco, and a regular-bodied fast-setting clear formula, 900 Eco. Pick up a can today from your local distributor and see, smell, and feel the difference, just like Joe Sweat, president of Sunrise Irrigation, did. He said, after using Weldon's 905 Eco, we immediately noticed the application was smooth and there was noticeably less odor than other blue solvent cements on the market. The guys love it. To learn more about Eco solvent cements from Weldon, 
Visit the website at www.welldone.com or call the Technical Service Hotline at 877-477-8327. That's 877-477-8327. Miss your favorite show? Download the podcast at kcaaradio.com. Welcome back to the second half of the uh, Water Zone Show. I'm your host, Rob Starr. Um, uh, my other host, uh, Mr. Chris Davey, is taking care of a personal issue, and uh, I was hoping he'd be back, but uh, he's taking care of something that's really important. So uh, he probably may not be back, but he'll be back next week. Anyway, I hope everybody's having a great afternoon, trying to stay cool and beat the heat that's going on. Uh, we have a special guest tonight. Uh, his name is Jim Cotton, and he is the president of a company called Aquatrack. And they're based out of Litchfield Park, Arizona. Uh, what they do is they manage irrigation water for the largest homeowners associations in Arizona. They provide consulting services, audit services, upgrade services, technical service, and monitoring to universities, golf courses, HOAs, resorts, municipalities, and landscapers. And, and they're dedicated to assisting community companies, including landscapers and golf courses, uh, to conserve outdoor water and improve the health of their landscapes. And uh, I'd like to bring Jim on. He is expert and one of the few people in the state to be a certified water manager, which is very important out here. So, Jim, welcome to the Water Zone Show. Thank you, Rob. I'm glad to be on with you. Yeah. Um, for those who don't know you, Jim is, uh, besides being a very smart guy in the industry, he's uh, a very nice person. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Probably one of the most trusted guys. He tells the truth, which which I which I appreciate, and I think his customers that are, I've seen it with him with his customers, they appreciate the truth, and he doesn't powder coat anything. And I think that's an important factor, especially when he's showing them how they're wasting millions of, of gallons of water a year and how much money they can save. So, uh, Jim, I know the question that I always start off with, uh, so people get to know you a little better. How and what made you choose? this industry, that that's what you wanted to do as a career? Well, I, I didn't start out in this industry, but I did have a green thumb as a young kid. And uh, so I always enjoyed it. It's what I wanted to do, but I grew up in the restaurant business, bar business with my father. And then I went to work for Farrell's Ice Cream Parlor, Golden Corral. Uh, and then in California and Ojai and other cities, I had uh, seafood markets and restaurants. But when I was in my late 30s, I just decided I had to get out. I had to get out of the restaurant business. It was killing me. And uh, so I went back to school and uh, studied horticulture, studied landscape design. And, uh, and of course, that was my passion. And I did it, you know, at midlife, Rob. So, um, and then uh, after doing that, um, I got my contractor's license in Arizona. And I got a call one day from a guy that was uh, had a home in Goodyear, Arizona, and he got a letter from the city saying that his residential water usage was the highest of any home in the city. And so he called me and he said, can you come out, look at my irrigation system? Can you come out and help me? I mean, my water bills are like $900 a month for a single family home. So I went out there and I and I put together a plan and, and, and we were able to lower his water usage by 90%. And while I was working on the property, Rob, I had an epiphany. And I was out there working with my son 
And a little voice said to me, water is your future. And I looked at my son and I said, hey, I think God just spoke to me. He says, dad, it's 115 degrees. It's hot. <laughs> you're, you're just, I go, no, I'm serious. I think, I think the good Lord just spoke to me and said, water's my future. So I went home. I told my wife, I said, I had an epiphany. Water's my future. So I went back to school, Rob. And then I, I studied all about water and I got all of my certifications from the Irrigation Association. I'm certified with the EPA. And I became a water expert, not just irrigation water, but affluent water, all of that. And, uh, and when I went out to try to help people, water didn't cost that much back in the 2008, 2009, 2010. There wasn't a lot of people that were interested in it. And then when water rates went up, everybody started calling me saying, okay, now we're ready. We need to get you in here because our water bill for our irrigation is over a million dollars a year. So we work with some of the largest, most prestigious homeowners associations, some of the largest hospital groups like the Mayo Clinic. Uh, we work with uh, Grand Canyon University, some of the big boys. And the number one thing that we do when we go into a property is, Number one is we have to change the culture. And this is what's wrong today, Rob. This is what's going on in California. We do consulting in California. There needs to be a culture change. And, and it's not with the landscaper. It's with the board of directors and the residents. Probably the biggest thing that I do is go into a board meeting with a board of directors and sit down and do town hall meetings all over the state and explain to people we just can't continue to use the amount of water we're using because the landscape is not sustainable. And right. that's, that's the big key today. It's sustainability. So what we do now is we educate people. We hold town hall meetings. And, we, and, 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 and what happens is you buy a house in an HOA. You had grass in front of your house or you had grass in some of the areas, the common areas. And that's how you bought it. And you want that grass and no way you want to lose your grass. Well, that decision is going to be taken away from you soon. And if you don't get proactive now and do something now, uh, one day your water is going to get shut off and then you're just going to have a bunch of dead landscape there. What happened in California was the state for years was saying to the landscape industry, we need you to do something. We need you to step up. We've, we've got to cut back water usage. The problem was the landscaper works for the boards or the facility managers or the property managers. And what are they telling the landscaper? We want it green. We want it beautiful. We want it lush. Yeah, they want the curb repair. <laughs> they want the curb, but we want to sell homes. We want to keep our resale value of our homes. So the poor landscaper was stuck between a rock and a hard place. And unfortunately, the landscaper who said, I'm sorry, but we've got to cut, you've got to start cutting back water. Well, they got the boot out the door and they brought in the landscaper that agreed to do whatever they said. So what I do for landscapers now is I go ahead of them because I'm a third party. I don't work for the landscaper. And I help them give this messaging, Rob, to their board, to their property managers, to the facility managers, where I go in and say, listen. This is not sustainable. And I'm going to tell you what's coming down the road. And if you don't now start taking action, it's going to be taken for you and you're not going to like it. Well, as you know, California has already said that if the 
water usage isn't reduced, on outdoor water usage isn't reduced by September, October, they're going to shut it off. Now, what, what a lot of people think about, Rob, and I heard your conversation with Miss um, Austin before me, is you're talking about water conservation inside the house. Well, I, I work with, you know, waste treatment plants. I work with municipalities. And quite honestly, 95% of the water that flows through the house is recycled. Mm-hmm. So there, there really isn't any way, there really isn't any big, onus on trying to save water inside the house because it's being recycled. So in Arizona, like, let me give you Nevada. So what Nevada does is 90% of Nevada's water comes from the Colorado River or Lake Mead. 10% of it is groundwater, okay? What they do in Nevada is all the water that runs through the buildings, through the homes, through the sewers treatment center, it gets converted to affluent water and gets pumped right back into Lake Mead. I don't know if people know that. So you have Nevada taking water out of the river, but putting water back in the river. The area where Nevada had a problem because they couldn't control it was outside the building. So Nevada did something very smart several years ago, is they just basically outlaw turf grass, unless it was a golf course or a park for kids or a dog park. If it was just grass that the only person ever walks on is the guy that mows it, They made them get rid of it. But what they did is they provided incentives. So what has to happen in California and Arizona and New Mexico and other states is we need to stop trying to say, oh, we need new sources of water. Let me explain something to you, Rob. On this earth, we have the exact same amount of water as we did when God created it. Absolutely. Water Water doesn't dissipate out into the atmosphere. The problem is, is that there just isn't any water in the Southwest right now. Now, there's floods in other parts of our country, but there's no flooding here. So what has to happen in these states, these lower basin states, is we all need to follow Las Vegas and what they do. We need to cut. Okay, let me tell you what Las Vegas did. Las Vegas grew its population in the last 10, 12 years by 49%. And yet they cut their water usage. So today they're 23% using less water than they did when they were before they grew their population. So 800,000 people moved into Las Vegas, and today they're using less water than they did before the population surge. And they did one thing wrong they got rid of turf ground. Yeah. And that's it, turf has the kiss of death right now. And I'm sorry to say this, but what needs to happen is the poor landscapers and all the landscapers who listen to this, everybody in the industry, they know what I'm saying is right. They're like, Jim, help us. It's like, you know, I, 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 the uh, Arizona Landscape Contractors Association contacted me and said, hey, man, we need you to help us write articles on sustainability so landscapers can bring something to their clients to say, listen, we have to cut back. Uh, it's, it, there's a bigger problem, Rob. You know what the problem is? The municipalities and the water providers, there's 161 of them in Arizona. They can't afford the revenue law. That's why there's no incentives out there. Yeah. Let, but, let me, and let me, and no matter what happens with less water, they still have to keep operating. Their operating costs aren't going to change. They yeah. still need people to run, run the equipment and everything else. But you know, turf, turf, 
turf grass has a lot of good qualities too, and, and there's reasons we should have it. I agree with you, like on street medians and things like that, where people don't walk on it. Uh, and, and, you know, why why have that? I agree, I agree with that. Sports fields, I know they use a lot uh, uh, of artificial turf on, on many of those things around the country, but there's also been reports of uh, where where children can get uh, a certain kinds of cancer from the material that's in it. And and so so yeah. I, I agree with you in the sense there's got to be a balance of stuff and and you know with with contractors you're right they they get judged on how good does the property look the curb appeal stay or or, or builders because they 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 want that even in the most biggest HOAs but you also got issues with HOAs and and, and I, I read something that you had written right before and that you had mentioned to me and it, and I believe that this a thousand percent. You, you know, you can't have an irrigation system and think you just turn it on, whether it's a smart one and everything's going to be good. You got to inspect your irrigation, just like your car. You got to check the tires. You got to check that you got oil in the car. You got check you got water in the radiator. There's things that that have to happen, and and you know, I mean, there's been instances. I, I know you were on with some uh, 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 contractors where they they're supposed to in, in test and inspect all the lines, and and you find out they don't, and they got almost 200 uh, broken valves and things like that. And it shouldn't get to that point. But, you know, they, they try to cut corners too. I'm not saying every every contractor does that. But when you're managing a huge property, that's a, and most of the time those people that work on that property, that's all they do. They don't go to move to other jobs. They stay there full time week after week to, to, to make that happen. But but there has to be a way of measuring and, 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 and watching what's what and making sure that the heads aren't cut off uh, or pop-up sprays, if they have them, they're not tilted or broken, or or if they're using poly for drip irrigation, they switch to PVC. I mean, there's things that you can do yeah. to improve, and, and I've seen you and your customers do that. But you're right, it's a tough talk when you first come in, and, and then also working with the, the, the landscape contractor to make sure he understands what he can bring to the table. There's got to be a winning solution for him as well. Yeah. And, I, and to be fair with the landscapers regarding the repairs and the inspections, um, landscapers and their contracts, generally, they're reactive. Okay, we have a work order. Somebody saw a broken sprinkler head. They run over there and they fix it because that's part of what they're supposed to do with their contract. Their contracts, 99.9, except for the ones I write, right. never for proactive inspections of the irrigation system. Right. So if you have a landscaper that has to do proactive inspections of the irrigation system, he has to charge more because he has to have those people online. But what the community does is it makes up for that extra charge in less water cost. Yes. And so there's there's a trade-off there. So the landscapers would be proactive. They would go out there and check those things. But bottom line is they're not being paid for it. And it's such a competitive world. In the landscape industry, it's very hard for them to keep everything going, mold the grass, trim the trees, do all the weed service, and then also go out there preactively and do these inspections on the irrigation system. Yeah. But if the homeowner associations, if the facilities wrote that into their contract and demanded that be done and said, you know, we know we're going to have to pay more for the service, I think it would help a lot. I think today the issue is not really with the landscapers, Rob. I think the issue is with their clients. Yes. And I think what's neat is what landscapers need is a third party like my company to walk in the door with them, 
do a board meeting or a facility meeting and, and lay the law down because, like you said, I'm bluntly honest with people. Yep. And I, I can tell them, based on ET, here's what your water budget should be, and you're not there, and here's the reasons why, and this landscaper has told you that 20-year-old controller out there needs to be replaced, and you, you haven't come to the table to do it. And I'm telling you, if you do these things, there's, it'll pay for themselves very easily through water saving. But unfortunately, what the landscapers are trying to do, they're trying to meet payroll. They got workman's comp insurance. They got fleets they got to maintain. I mean, they've got, they're up to their neck an alligator. And, and, and yeah, are they concerned about water usage? Yes. Are they concerned about being good stewards of water? Yes, they are. But at the same time, they're not getting any help from a property manager, facility manager, or board that's demanding that everything look green and lush all the time. It's, it's, yeah. It's very tough for landscapers, Ron. Oh, I understand. Uh, Chris Davies joined us. Chris, how are you doing? Oh, hey, Rob, I'm great. Hey, Jim, welcome to the show, buddy. I had to take care of something really quick, but uh, I was listening to to the show on uh, NBC News Radio uh, all the time. So, uh, yeah, I've I've, I've messed up with the conversation. Good. Well, Chris, I'm going to tell you if anybody out there is listening, if you have a water leak. You need to get off the radio and go fix that water leak and yeah. then come back on. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. Listen, you know, I live, uh, you know, I live in Southern California. Um, we've been relegated to uh, to uh, watering uh, uh, one day a week. A month ago, I yep. stopped watering all my turf. I just uh, stopped watering it. Uh, so, so I'm yeah. ahead of the curve. Yeah, and 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 you know, even with turf, you know, like converting turf. I've done so much of this over the years. I, I mean, I can do with my eyes closed. I can tell you what it costs per square foot to do it and, and, and you know, how you convert it, what you should do, and da-da-da-da-da-da, and to make it economical. But I'm going to tell you something. Once I am on a property with a landscaper and I explain to the board, here's what the board say to me. Jim, you got to put this narrative to the residents. We can't do it. They'll shoot us, right? And I say, I get it. So what we do is we hold town hall meetings. I do a PowerPoint. I explain what's going on with water. I explain what's coming down the pipe. And then I say to them, here's what I'm recommending that you do. And once the residents there hear all the background, hear what needs to be done, and have somebody, an expert, come in and say, here's what needs to be done, it always goes over much better. And then the board doesn't have to go around with a target on their back. Oh, you took away my grass. Oh, you killed our landscaping. Now my property values are gone down and I'm going to sue you. Believe me, I have gone to golf courses where I told them they could no longer oversee the rough. You guys know what the rough area is on the outside of the course. Right. Yes. And I've, I've, I've gone and sat with the members of the course and said, I'm sorry, we're not going to oversee the roughs because we don't have the water. And I'm telling you, they're, there were 400 angry people. And then I said to them, okay, let me explain what the fine is. For every 325,000 gallons, we go over our water allotment to find $10,000. Based on what I'm seeing, it looks like we're going to go over 600 acre feet. That's $6 million. If somebody here could write me a check for that, I'll put it in the bank. And if, you know, if we get fined, we'll use your money. <laughs> That's a good one. That ends. You know, yeah, 
that is go ahead go ahead chris you were breaking up yeah i was just gonna sorry guys i was just gonna say you know that you know that's a good one right and i i like your comment by the way jim about the fact that you know what the water this year is the same stuff that's been here three and a half billion years or whatever the date is now there's no secret pipeline coming in from out of space bringing more more water here so um but I, it's also good to, to discover that you're working two or three rungs up the ladder, right, from from the homeowner or or even from the contractor. So, um, if I understand it right, you're working at the at the home at the HOA uh, level, or um, you know, do you do you also work with large uh, contracting firms and and do education with those guys too? Yes, yes, yes. We in fact we offer training uh, on how to do inspections for irrigation techs, and that we offer it twice a year. It's free to any uh, commercial uh, landscape irrigation tech to, to, to uh, attend. There's no charge for it. In fact, I buy the guy's lunch. And we always have a packed house of people wanting to come. A lot of landscapers will call me. I'll let them know that I'm holding a class. Some of the HOA facilities I work for will provide a huge meeting room for me to train because they know I don't charge for it. So they provide the room and, 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 and all the audio video stuff. And we, and we do it bilingual, and so that's part of the way Aquatrack gives back to the industry. Uh, we have had companies like Toro. I don't know if you guys heard of them, but uh, they have provided us with uh, the equipment we needed while we're doing the training so we could show them how to troubleshoot electrical problems and things like that. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I'm, you know, we're big, even at Toro, we're big fans of conservation. I, you know, I manage the the hydraulic product line there and big focus on, on water saving in other parts of the country. I heard what you said about the fact that the Southwest is, is in critical um, uh, and a critical water shortage. And, and I agree, Rob's been to my house. I've got almost a half acre lot and uh, you know, half of it already is native plants. I've, I've been doing it over the years. Yeah. Um, it looks like I've got, yep. uh, yeah, it, it looks like I've got more to do with Jim. So, yeah, I think I, I think for your show, I think the thing that I just want everybody because you have a lot of people in the industry that are listening to your show. Yeah, yeah. And and the concerns that they have, the people that are listening, is how do I give this narrative to this board? How do I do it? How do I tell them, hey, look, you know, this is what's coming down the pike, and we need to start now. We need to be proactive now. We need to start now cutting back on the water, and. And that's why I have gone to board meetings with uh, many, many landscape contractors and helped them in their uh, consultation by, by giving a consultation to their clients saying, Here, here's what the landscaper is saying. This is why it's important. Here's what you need to do. Because honestly, I'm just going to tell you, okay, because I really have my, thing, my finger on the pulse of water and what's going on. I know a lot more than what I'm saying. But gentlemen, we've got to be very careful in the next couple of years because it 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 could be very drastic. And Arizona is taught. Everybody's talking about new sources of water, desalinization plants, all of that. That is high in the sky. We need conservation right now. We need to follow what Nevada did, and we need to implement that in California and everywhere else. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. Another thing that you do, a value. Bring Jim, as you were just saying earlier, is you as you take you know you take the bad guy role on yourself, right? You actually reflect the bad yes. guy role from the contractor or from the 
yeah, from yeah. the homeowners association. Yeah. And uh, yeah. and yeah, take that in your own seat, right? <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, I do the narrative for the contractor. Yeah. <clears throat> I bring the bad news to the developer. Yep. But but as I said earlier, and you repeat it, you know, you're brutally honest about it, and that's what they need they need to hear. I know there's just a real quick story. I, I, I won't mention who the water agency is. It's not from California and it's not from Arizona. But they, they put a program out with smart controllers and gave gave away a bunch of different branded ones. And they did an audit of the homes. They fixed, uh, they went out and fixed the broken pipes or whatever needed to be done uh, uh, with nozzles and everything else to get them all to work. And then they let them run for a year and they collected data and said it was very poor. Well, the question I asked of, of one of the guys, I said, well, during that year when you see the, the water usage was going up, did you go back and check anything? Well, no. I said, well, how do you know what happened? How do you know they didn't have any more broken pipes or, or the heads are you know, off or somebody cut the lines or worst case, somebody touched your program smart controller to something different because the homeowner didn't see it go off every day like it used to go off. Uh, and that's really what happened to it. And, and, and you know, those, those people needed the education to understand what could go wrong without knowing about the system that you have. And again, it's like maintaining your car. I'm not saying they should go out every single day and do it, but but you can follow with your water bill and see see what is your water agency will give give you the history of your water for the last three years if you ask them for it. You can download it. Yeah. Uh, and 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 the same thing for the HOAs. And, and I think the service that you do is phenomenal. I mean, out of 96, roughly 96 other certified uh, irrigation managers in the country, I know there's only five in in, in Arizona. And you're you're one of the five. Plus, you have some more education than than the other ones do. So, um, but but real quickly, how do how do customers or contractors or HOAs get a hold of you? Can you give a website and a phone number so they can contact you and pick your brain? Yeah, they. Yeah, we have a website. It's Aqua, A Q U A Track T R A C System. dot com. Okay. And yeah. and so they can reach our website, and then they can. Uh, call the office, uh, which would probably be the fastest way, and that would be 623-594-8689. Okay, well, great. We're, we're, we're breaking here with about 10 seconds to get to the NBC News Hour, which we have to back out to look okay. into it. But we'll get killed. But Jim, thank you very much for coming on. You brought a lot of good insight to the industry and to our listeners. We do appreciate that. And if you stick around on Stay on the Line, 